I am Chris Chow, and this is Straight Chubb, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Headliners. Welcome back to the show. I am feeling under the weather today, man. This is going to be like the Jordan flu game for me, but I thank God I got my guy Chris Kennedy in the house, man. He's like my Pippin, but we're like Jordan and Jordan. I, I think that's how we got to put it. Well, yeah, like as far as like how well this is going to go, because you're all doped up, doped up on cold medicine, mm. and I'm already like a bunch of beers in. So best yeah, of luck to us. Could get a little ugly, man. I mean, yeah, man. I'm cough drops and cough medicine and cold medicine. I'm I don't even know where I'm sitting. I feel like I'm floating uh, right now. But I mean, hey, at least I don't sound that stuffed up. Or maybe I do. I just I don't hear myself anymore. I'm deaf today. But hey, this is how it goes when you're not feeling well. No, that's that's what happens when you're old and you just can't like stop hearing things. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. You, you start to go deaf and things start to fall off. It's just natural <laughs> progression of life. Wait, what, what's goes. falling off? Oh, man, things are just falling. I wake up, man. Oh, it just drops God. on the floor and I got to try to reattach it. Like, that's how bad things are getting. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, we do got football to discuss, buddy. Uh, it, week three, man, we're coming up. It's yeah. Uh, unbelievable how quick it always goes week two is in the books i mean we got a slew of injuries good god almighty this week two was just a travesty and so many players went down we'll start off because we got a huge list of them, a lot of quarterbacks chris a ton of them and we'll start off mm. with tyrod taylor he is on the ir three weeks three to four weeks he's going to be out with a hamstring injury davis mills will get the start on week three thursday night football at the carolina panthers and i mean uh, the this is kind of shocking because I mean, everyone had the discussion to say would Winston or, or Watson play, excuse me. And, and they're just going to keep him on the, on the bench as a inactive, healthy and active because of his situation. I found that to be still uh, kind of interesting. Yeah. They've already come out and said, you know, no matter what happens at the quarterback, at the quarterback position, Watson is not going to play. So they are going to be rolling with rookie Davis mills um, who wasn't super impressive in, uh, in his relief of Tyrod Taylor after he went out um, I did see that there were a couple of rumors going around. And again, they're just rumors of potentially maybe the Texans picking up Cam Newton oh. as a uh, as a as a temporary you know replacement, which I don't know if that would be any better than Davis Mills at this point anyway. So yeah. that's 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 what the Texans are planning right now is just riding with their rookie quarterback. No, I totally agree. And uh, Cam to me, I mean, it is we've seen it enough. It is what it is. But uh, Tyrod's not going to have uh, be lonely in the IR. He's got Nico Collins now in the IR with him to keep him coming. Mm. Three to four weeks, he gets a he he's on a shoulder injury. He's on IR too. And I mean, this the only reason why I bring up Nico. He was starting to get a little bit of targets, but I mean, this just opens the door, flies it open even more for Brandon Cooks. So basically, all Davis Mills has to do. And everyone was dogging Houston. Remember when I said before the season started, watch out for Houston. They're going to be at least competitive. They're going to put up some numbers, and they're doing it. So we'll see. I mean, as long as Mills can throw the ball down the field uh, to Mr. Brandon Cooks, they could stand a chance with all the running backs still. Yeah. And for anyone out there that's that's thinking, OK, Nico Collins is down. Who's going to be getting the value in Houston? Who should I be picking up? The answer is absolutely nobody, mm. because through the first two games of this season, Brandon Cooks has 36 percent of the team's target share. Nobody else on the team has more than 10 percent mm. of target shares right now. And so I for me personally, like I don't care if it's, you know, uh, Danny Amendola or Andre Roberts, or whoever you may think it might be. I mean, if anything, maybe David Johnson gets a few more targets in the receiving game as the running back, but you want Brandon cooks and Brandon cooks only. And even now with the rookie you know, quarterback there, that might be a little iffy. 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm on board with the running back usage going up a little bit as well. I think DJ, maybe even Philip Lindsay gets a little bit more in the mix because we know rookie quarterbacks, they tend to favor their tight ends. They tend to favor their running backs as the checkdowns when things get a mm-hmm. little rough. So, I mean, yep. there is potential play in that department, but I mean, it is Houston. They are going to struggle now. Uh, I, I mean, see, Tyrod, I, I, I bash the man all the time because of, you know, his overall game. But man, can he throw that pretty deep ball? And he was making it work and they were competitive, Chris. This was exciting, but I mean, poor bastard, man. He cannot get out of his own way. Punctured lung and all, now a hamstring injury. Like, poor Tyrod. I know. I mean, he played great week one. You know, before he went out with the injury this past week, he was 10 of 11 for 125 yards and a tutty. And he had a rushing touchdown for 15 yards. Like, the guy was playing really, really well. And like you said, he just can't stay healthy. And I, you hate to see it because he was having a really good start to the season. He was. I, I And like I said, I always root for Tyrod because he's got Buffalo ties. But I mean, it is what it is. Derek Carr, man, he finds himself on the injury report with his ankle injury. He is going to be a question mark coming into uh, week three. They said that he could play. It's going to be about pain tolerance for him. And, and I mean, he's been looking good. And these Raiders have been looking good too, man. And, I mean, we talked about it the show before. The defense has stepped up on that defensive line. And now look at Derek Carr. Mm. They're starting to find their wide receivers. And, I mean, he's got to play this week for them to have a shot. I mean, he's he has been a very pleasant surprise, you know, from week one, you know, that that game that he had against Baltimore this past week against the Steelers. I mean, the guy has looked good. He's been doing a great job of limiting the turnovers. He's been throwing for, you know, great yardage. He's been getting the touchdowns. The thing that Las Vegas needs is for him to stay healthy, because if he's not, you know who the Raiders backup quarterback is. None other than your boy, Nathan Peterman. <laughs> Interception Peterman. He's going to be coming back. In. Yeah, man, they're going to be in trouble. And and they need Carr to play. And I mean, 2-0 start. Yeah. I think it was the first time in the Super Bowl era that they've started 2-0. Is that right? When I heard that, I was like, that cannot be right. I mean, they, they won a Super Bowl back in the 70s. Yeah, and, and I'm like, they didn't start 2-0. So, so did they start really? that season? Oh, yeah. Did they not start 2-0? Who knows? Wow, yeah. So when I heard that, I was floored. But I mean, yeah, Derek Carr finds himself on the injury report as well. Next one is Carson Wentz, man. Did you see him get folded up? That poor bastard. I thought he broke his leg. Both ankles sprained. Both, Both. of them. <laughs> Oh, man, he, fold, he folded like Gumby. It was horrible. I felt really bad for him, but, I mean, this is going to be a tough test for Indy. They're 0-2, and, I mean, Wentz hasn't played well, and Jacob Eason looks like he's completely a deer in the headlights, and they're in trouble in Indianapolis, man. Yeah, like, I I don't like to label players as injury-prone, but Wentz is just, it's year after year. It's one thing after another, and, I mean, who knows what's going to be happening with him going forward. So, yeah, but... The Colts, if they do end up having to go with Jacob Eason going forward, that's that spells trouble for the receivers. It spells trouble for Jonathan Taylor because they're going to be stacking the box and mm. forcing Eason to throw. So I don't like it at all. Yeah, Eason's got an arm. I mean, he's got a cannon for an arm, but I mean, he's very inaccurate, very inconsistent. Lots of trouble coming their way. I mean, mm. you, you don't. And you're right, man. Qu- injury prone is the only way that you can really say that about Carson Wentz because he is like the the RG three type. He's just so careless. He doesn't know how to take care of himself on this field. And I mean, Philly fans are hating this because I think what do they need? Ninety percent of uh, him uh, to play on the field to get their pick this year or next yeah. year. So I mean, this is yep. not good for them, man. That pick could be going out the window. Yeah, it could very well be going out the window. 
And I don't want to say the Colts season is going out the window because it's still early, but if Wentz isn't able to go over the next few weeks, they may just shut him down, let Easton control the team and then get that really high draft pick next year. So here's the, here's the thing. If, if you're Owen three and, and Wentz mm-hmm. doesn't go, I think you do shut down. I think you really do. If you're Frank Reich, this yeah. is my, this is my pitch to the ownership group and general manager. There's quarterbacks coming in this draft coming up. And I mean, okay, they're not like this last draft that came, but you got Rattler, you got Howell, you got other guys coming up as well. Um, yep. It's going to, it's definitely going to change as, as we get into draft talk. But I mean, if, if you're talking, let's just say Spencer Rattler turns into the guy we think he should become. I mean, now you're putting Rattler on a team with JT and all these weapons that he can actually exploit. I mean, I, I don't hate that option whatsoever, even though it is only week three. No, I agree. I think if you give, you know, you give a team a mobile quarterback that helps to take the the pressure off of your running back. I mean, look what Jalen Hurts is doing to help Miles Sanders, you know, in that aspect. So I think that with Indianapolis potentially bringing in somebody that can be a little bit more mobile, you know, not necessarily, I'm not saying they need a Lamar Jackson, mm. but somebody who can, you know, make a defense think twice about, you know, okay, he might take off at this moment. Yep, can't can't argue it. I mean, uh, Indy is a they they look better with Philip Rivers if that if that says anything right now they they truly do and and Carson Wentz is shit in the bed and no other way I can put that so moving right along to a tag of Aloha. Why do people call him Tonga Valoa? There's no U after that. No, but that no, but the pronunciation is Tonga Valoa. Tonga Valoa. To a Tonga Valoa. That's how you that's how you pronounce the name. I'm not going to pronounce it that way. I don't like it. I don't like pronouncing it that way. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want to say? I don't You have to say say his name now. Say it that way. Damn it. But anyway, Tua, he is day to day with ribs after taking an explosive shot from Epinesa, man. He freaking laid him out. I mean, when I saw so I was watching when that hit happened. And the first thing I thought of was, oh, crap, it's his hip. Yep. And then they said it was a, then it was ribs. And I was like, first of all, that's not any better, but I kind of had a sigh of relief. Like, okay, it's only his ribs. It's like, okay, that's still not okay. Yeah. He, pl- he Epinesa just planted him a clean hit. I mean, he wasn't going yeah. for the injury. It was just a clean shot and he landed awkwardly on the side yeah, of yeah. his body, but holy, what a hit Tua took. And I mean, Miami just got roasted by my bills, but what does this mean going forward? If Tua doesn't play, I mean, who's their backup QB at this point? It's a brissette. And, I mean, okay, you, you got a little bit more mobility, perhaps. Um, but I mean, we saw what happened when Brissett came in. I think the book is kind of out on, on Jacoby to say what he can and can't do. Uh, this this really bodes a lot of trouble for Miami, whose uptick was definitely on the rise and Tua was definitely playing well. Yeah, I mean, because the area where Jacoby really excelled last year was when he was with Indianapolis. And he would come in, you know, inside the five yard line and just have those little rushing touchdowns that would just vulture Jonathan Taylor mm. this year with Miami. I mean, we saw him on the field. He's not a quarterback that is going to. He's not going to win you any games. OK, Jacoby Brissett is more of that game manager. You just want him to limit the turnovers. Which he failed to do in this past week's game. So I think with Miami, you know, they're one and one. You know, if Tua can't go, it's going to be a tough, tough stretch for for Miami because, you know, they're, they're a team that's going to be playing from behind most of the time with Jacoby Brissett under center. And Miles Gaskin in that running game is just not going to have the opportunities to get going. So if anything, it's going to spell big, big news for Jalen Waddell, Devontae Parker, you know, uh, Will Fuller when he does get back onto the field. But I think it's great for, for Jalen Waddell because you're going to have 
you know, a very athletic wide receiver, you're going to have a quarterback who's not going to be looking to stretch the field very much. So I think Waddle, you know, getting those short to intermediate passes along with Devontae Parker, it's going to help out a lot. Yeah, I think you got to scheme it up that you're you're feeding Waddle every which way you can short from the backfield bubble screens. I think that's kind of your MO until Tua comes back. But I mean, there's nothing saying that Tua can't play this week again. It's likely going to be a pain tolerance thing for him. Get a little cortisone shot in those ribs and, and see if you can go. Mm-hmm. But I mean, would you really risk the damage to his ribs um, further? I wouldn't. I, I'd let him heal up and then just, you know, hope for the best. This division for a wild card spot is still really up for grabs. So I, I think, you know, yeah. two, three weeks it might not be the worst thing maybe uh, jacoby can go at least you know 500 for you yeah and if you are gonna you know gonna get that cortisone shot to the ribs at least you don't have the chargers doctor there so you're fine yeah it won't puncture your lungs and yeah and you'll be fine yeah and then maybe they'll dislocate your hip and maybe that's a different story that we're gonna be talking about but Andy Dalton, the red rifle. He has a knee injury. This is what, you know, nobody, nobody cheers for injuries. And if you're one of those people, please don't. I mean, we don't cheer. We want to see guys come up. We do. But I mean, don't cheer for injuries ever, including for fantasy football. It's just bad karma and a bad look. But Andy Dalton has a knee. He is week to week. Coach Nagy has already uh, thrown out the endorsement once again, saying that if Andy is healthy, he is our starting quarterback, which is crazy to me. But I mean, if if, if it is Fields this week, this is the big conversation. Is Fields going to get his first start? How is he going to perform? Because, I mean, he looked uneven coming off the bench. I expected a little bit more enthusiasm, a little bit more oomph to his game. Didn't really happen. Um, but I mean, if he does play well, how can he really turn the reins back to Andy Dalton if 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 he's not, uh, you know, if Andy can't uh, come back, obviously? No, I think that if, if Fields plays well, you know, and they're winning games, I don't see how they can give it back to Andy Dalton, you know, because I think that that's what they want to see from, from Fields. For someone that they spent, you know, they traded up to number 11 to take this guy. They're going to want him to take the reins sooner rather than later. And it's going to take Fields to really make sure that he's playing well in order to do so. We didn't really see that, though, in his relief time, you know, this past week. He did look a little bit lost. He looked like a like a rookie, mm. which he's going to. He's going to make those mistakes. So I think with Chicago, it's going to come down to, do you really think you have a chance to make the playoffs with Andy Dalton? Because if you don't, then it's not going to hurt throwing Justin Fields in there and letting him get that experience. Agreed. I couldn't say, couldn't have said it any better. And I mean, the other big topic coming out of Chicago is Allen Robinson and the lack of overall usage. Well, I mean, usage is the wrong term because he's getting his target share, but I mean, I guess the uh, efficiency and his productivity is, is where I should say that because I mean, he's still two weeks in a row under 10 fantasy points, half PPR. And I mean, I'm a huge Allen, Allen Robinson backer. I know you are as well. And I mean, mm-hmm. are, are we still, starting to get a little bit worried because I was in uh, preaching this up this offseason that even with Andy Dalton, he was going to see a boatload of targets, which he is, but it's just not coming right. into, into productivity just yet. I mean, he's still got to be a must start in week three. He's definitely a must start. The one thing that's a little bit worrisome for me with him is not necessarily the targets because he's leading the team in target you know, percentage and target share, mm-hmm. but it's the snap percentage. Darnell Mooney has been on the field for more offensive plays through the first two weeks than Allen Robinson by a good, like 10%. Like he's been on the field for about 12 to 14 more snaps than Allen Robinson. And I think that needs to be the other way around when your number one receiver is not on the field as much as your number two receiver. I mean, they just need him on the field at all times because he's the one that's going to be able to make the plays happen. And I, and I just, I'm baffled with that stat. I, I don't get why they're doing it. And Mooney hasn't turned out. And when you're having him play more snaps without Robinson pulling coverage, look what's mm-hmm. happening. He's getting drawn on more, uh, harsher coverage and he's not making the plays. 
you got to put guys in a position to succeed. And Coach Nagy continues to do this in the wrong way. And I think with Nagy, he doesn't understand what the what the term scheme actually means. Because after this <laughs> this week's game, he was interviewed by a reporter and the reporter said, so you're saying if Andy Dalton is healthy, he's going to be your starting quarterback going forward. And <laughs> I don't want to misquote Nagy for anything at all here, but he said something along the lines of, um, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to make a decision based off the of scheme. Or he said to the reporter, well, that's not, you know, that's, that's, that's scheme that we're, that we're doing here. And the reporter said, no, that my, my question wasn't about scheme. He goes, yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Matt. <laughs> I know. I saw that too, man. He's talking about personnel as scheme. And I was like, okay. I thought I was on drugs, man, today, but I mean, hey, you know, I take a hold my beer, Mr. Matt. Nagy, hold, hold my beer because he I just mean, one up to you. Yeah, whatever you're doing over there, man, you're making me look like a, a petty drug user compared to you. But hey, this is what it is. Big Ben, he injures his pectoral. And I mean, frick, we knew this was coming. I mean, yep. his body is just held together with bubble gum. We know this. I mean, but a pec injury, this is going to linger for the entire season. You know this is going to happen. And it's it's like his throwing arm, his his elbow that he had a problem with. Without efficient sufficient rest, I mean, this is going to be a big problem for Big Ben. And we saw what could happen. And this is why I was so upset my Bills lost to them, because look at what the Raiders did. They did everything they were supposed to do pressuring him, and they still were able to dominate that line of scrimmage and dominate the trenches. Buffalo should be ashamed of themselves because you you had it right in your freaking hand. See, that's how I, Vegas does. Vegas does it right. Well, yeah, they know what they're doing here. But if Ben can't go, like, I mean, do they – do they give it to Mason Rudolph? Does Dwayne Haskins come in? Like, and if either one of them, Rudolph or Haskins, is the quarterback, I'm terrified for not terrified, sorry, but I'm a little bit worried about my Steeler wide receiver shares that I have because I have Claypool, I have Johnson, I have Juju, I have all three of them spread out throughout different leagues. Mm -hmm. What I think it could do though is where Najee Harris was involved really in the passing game last week, which I love to see. He had five catches on five targets for 43 yards and a tutty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on the ground, it, he, he was a little bit slow to get going, but he only had 10 carries. Like, And a lot of that was because Pittsburgh was losing. They had to get, you know, they had to throw. They had to get back into the game a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit worried about this, you know, this, this target share for the, the Steelers receivers. If Big Ben can't go, knowing him, he probably will, you know, it'll, it'll take somebody to take him off on, on a cart, you know, to make sure he doesn't play again. But I think Ben does come back next week, regardless of the pectoral injury and, and tries to play. Yeah. Well, they're calling it day to day, but I mean, excuse me, like I said, I mean, a pec, a pec injury for a quarterback is not an easy injury to get out of. And, and Do we know if it was his left or right pec. I don't know that one. I don't know. Cause if it's the right pec, then obviously it's going to put a lot more pressure on sure. his throwing motion. If it's Absolutely. his left, then maybe it would be more pain tolerance at that point. But I don't want to speculate. I'm just thinking if it were me who had that injury, how I would favor one side or the other. Yeah, we're going to have to you know, see that conversation goes with Doc Ethan Turner because I'm sure he's doing the work on that one right now. But I mean... Um, you're not far off by saying, you know, um, terrified of these wide receivers now with uh, right? Haskins. You're not, you're not okay, far off good, because, good, good. because I am terrified. I mean, Deontay now finds himself uh, in, in the medical room as well. I mean, we'll jump to him right away. I mean, he's, he's got a knee injury and he's uh, day to day, week to week. Uh, Mike Tomlin said, you know, he, he, he looks good, but good doesn't mean great. 
And I mean, this could preclude him from having a bigger role. I mean, Juju kind of saw himself get back in the mix, but you're right mm-hmm. on point when it comes down to saying, you know, how they utilize Najee Harris in the past game, AKA Le'Veon Bell style, which is everything we thought it was going to be. Cause I was me and you were both saying, you know, this is, this is exactly the offense he needed to be in. Cause they want another Le'Veon Bell role the way it was. And Najee showed exactly what he could do with the ball in his hand. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he had, I mean, he had a couple of plays where he was, he was aggressive. He was running the ball really hard. You know, he showed those soft hands that we saw when we broke down the film over at headliner, U. like everything that we saw in this past game, you know, we started to see back his, you know, back in college with him. And I think that he's only going to get better as the season goes on, but it's going to be a little bit more difficult from a running standpoint. If Ben isn't under center, because the other two quarterbacks don't pose much of a threat throwing the ball against opposing defenses. Yeah, I agree. If it, if it is for my money and they're forced to do it this week, I'm, I'm going to side with Haskins. Hopefully, Hopefully he can do something. I mean, check downs, maybe the Friar Muth gets in the mix. The Muth, but I mean, I don't oh, know. Oh, the Muth. The Muth, but I mean, you see that block he did a couple weeks ago? I don't know if we even talked about that. He pancaked, I mean, it was, he pancaked my guy so bad, man. He did. And the first thing you said in, in our group chat, you know, for all those people who thought, you know, Muth couldn't block, <laughs> I mean, he pulled, he pulled a Gronk and just threw the man out of the club. Yeah, man. Put him in the stands in the second row, like on the Bills side. Yeah, like, that's how bad yeah. you push him. But I mean, yeah, this Devonte injury or Deontay injury, excuse me. I mean, it, it, man, he this guy, too. He's bugging me. I mean, I get it. You got all the skill in the world. What did he do? Nine for 12 for 105. I mean, that's a massive game. And again, mm-hmm. health, health. He looks like he's recovered from his dropping issue. But I mean, health again with with Deontay is starting to creep up and become an issue. Yeah, I will say the, the drops so far, I mean, we're only two games in, but it seems to have been an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the health is going to be a concern, but it's just going to, you know, like we said, the other guys are going to step up and, and contribute. Chase Claypool had nine targets. Juju had seven targets. So we're just going to see a more, much heavier dose of those two. But I do agree. I do think that Najee and maybe Fryermuth will get a bigger role um, because of those other inaccurate quarterbacks that are behind Ben, they're going to need to really have more safe check down plays. Agreed. I think that's, that's the only way they're going to roll. Jarvis Landry. He murdered so many of us this weekend. I mean, he Mm. played for like five snaps and that was his day. He is on the injured reserve as well. Out three weeks. I believe it's an MCL strain. What do, what does Cleveland do in this respect? Now, this is my, my issue. No OBJ. You now Landry's gone. He is your best wide receiver, and I mean they looked yeah. a little bit schizophrenic last week in in a lot of phases in their gameplay. Definitely not even close to what they look like versus the Chiefs. No, and it's going to be tough to kind of nail down who their number one target is going to be if OBJ is not able to come back next week, because Baker Mayfield likes to spread the ball around, and we talked about it a little bit in the in the MVP Discord chat a bit because some of the guys were like, okay, well, you know, who's the number two? Is it you know is it Peoples Jones? You know, is it going to be Rashard Higgins? If Anthony Schwartz is, is healthy mm. right now, he's dealing with a hamstring injury. If Anthony Schwartz comes back, I do think he's going to be the number one target for Baker, you know, behind somebody like, like Harrison Bryant or, or David and Joku. You know, I do think he, he's going to rely on those, those tight ends, but I think Anthony Schwartz could be that emerging guy. If both OBJ and Landry are out for an extended period of time. Yeah, man. Cause you need that big play threat to pull the boxes for your run game. 
Yep. And I mean, Schwartz has speed for days. He could literally rival Tyree Kill in a race, uh, 40 yard dash. Uh, no kidding. I mean, he has got wheels for days, but I mean, this is a huge loss. Landry gone for three weeks. OBJ still not ready to play on the field. Cleveland season that was looking so good to start in week one is now starting to, you know, dwindle early. And uh, I mean, okay, injuries happen to every club, but I mean, this is a big one. Amari Cooper. Oh, it's absolutely, okay. absolutely a big one for them. No, I was, just, I was just going to say, I, I completely agree because without your other number one receiver, OBJ, I mean, you're kind of just, just, you know, plug and play different parts, just using band-aids to try to piece this offense together. Yeah. And I mean, to further that, I mean, it maybe people's Jones does see that extended role because I did like what he did at this, this off season, the preseason, he looked very good, but is that up against capable number one defensive backs? How was he going to fare? I mean, we still don't know. And I mean, your face says it all, man. Chris was he's scrunching his face over there. I don't know, but he's, he's on point. It's truth. Yeah. <laughs> Amari Cooper. True, man. Right there. Hey, I said, no, I'm right there with you. Okay, perfect. Then we're on the same page. Stop cutting me off so I can just keep going with the flow. I man. really, I really just don't want you to talk about Amari Cooper. That's all. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> Amari Cooper, three weeks uh, or three weeks. He's got a rib injury, man. Hopefully he gets to play this week. But I mean, uh, Jerry Jones also said they're still monitoring his condition very close. He took that hit. I mean, it, he played the rest of that game. Did he not? I'm, I'm pretty sure he did. I didn't see him leave the game. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, again, pain tolerance is key. Cortisone shots to the ribs um but i mean this this is only going to give cd lamb and you know, other receivers that much more appeal including somebody like tony pollard oh i i completely agree i mean we saw pollard really get involved last week almost split carries with with zeke elliott last week um with with cooper being you know injured if he is missing time huge boost for cd lamb you know especially where michael gallup is out because right now lamb's leading the team in target share, but Cooper is the one who's been on the field the most for them right now. Cooper played 97% of the snaps last week compared to the 89% he played in the week one. So with Cooper out, I mean, we're going to, we should see a big boost from Lamb, you know, especially with Lamb being, as long as Lamb can stay in the slot, he's just going to be creating mismatches left and right against defenses. And that Cedric Wilson looked all right too, man. You see that play he made? He made, shook the entire defense. Oh, it was just glorious play. They have receivers on this team. I mean, maybe Semi Fihoko gets in a couple of the, so they can rotate a little bit. And, and we'll see. I mean, I like what Dallas is putting together. I, you know, not enough credit is going towards Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator at this point. I think he's actually mm-hmm. put together a very good scheme. Um, maybe he's learned something from McCarthy, even though I'm not a McCarthy guy at all, but he's kind of morphing it into his own brand. And, and I think it looks good. I, I like what they're doing overall. Uh, the game against L.A. was a tough one, but they still they were able to win and, and find ways to move the ball. No, I, I completely agree. And speaking of ways for them to you know, utilize the talent they have on offense. They're in the draft guide. For those of you who bought the draft guide this year, um, Chouse and I each did a write-up on each of the Cowboys tight ends. Yes, we did. Uh, Jarwin and Schultz. And one one of us picked one of them to, you know, be the t- tight end one for the team. The other person picked the other tight end. And th- it's only two weeks right now, but through two weeks, only one target separates the two tight ends 
and six receiving yards separates the two tight ends. So right now there is no clear cut winner. So right now we're both kind of right. We're both right. See how that works, <laughs> man. You know, great minds think alike. We, we split up the right. We're like, okay, I'll do, I'll do this. I'll do that. Okay, perfect. And then, you know, it comes out. We're both kind of preaching. Yeah, this is going to be the tight end one for this team. How is this going to work? How are you guys telling this to the people? See, we, we know what we're talking about sometimes. Exactly. And it's, <laughs> I just can't wait till I'm right at the end of the season. Maybe Just like put... I was so right with that Cam Newton, Mac Jones bet. Exactly. Maybe we should put some more beer on this. This will be a good thing, man. It's a tradition for everything we, we debate. <laughs> Josh Jacobs, man. He is. Uh, I love when they write it up, man. His injury report says in, in uh, parentheses, everything. Um, this poor man oh. cannot stay healthy right now. They're calling it a toe and an ankle. And he already obviously missed last week and is likely going to miss this week. I mean, this was the thing about Jacobs. You know, I was high, I was low, and then I kind of lukewarm, started moving high again. And again, now I got to be out because health is just way too uh, schizophrenic for me to trust. He is like Mr. Jekyll and Hyde and finds his way into the medical room and he just cripples your teams. Yeah, and also shout out to John Gruden for not like, you know, pulling the wool over our eyes. When he said before the game, he's like, you know what? We really like Peyton Barber. And everyone's like, no, 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 you're lying. Kenyon Drake's going to be the guy. Nope. Peyton Barber led the team and carries by almost twice the number of Kenyon Drake. So kudos for you, John, for actually being transparent with us. And that move sucked for all of us anyway, because I mean, half point oh, yeah. PPR, Drake only got you eight points. But I mean, Jacob, going forward, I mean, if you did not get Drake as your handcuff, if you don't have adequate depth, I mean, at this point, I'm definitely recommending the minute Jacobs gets back on the field and has a good game, sell that man as fast as you can for something to help your team down the the playoff run, down the season run, because Jacobs is going to continue to do this. He's going to continue to hurt you and and you got to get out. So, I mean, the first game you get that is a decent value. I mean, you got to sell him off. Oh, absolutely. And I know for me, like when I was drafting my teams, I wanted no part of, of Jacobs, not only because of the potential timeshare with Kenyon Drake, but again, because of the injuries, it was just something that was kind of starting to pile up a little bit for him. We saw it last season and with Jacobs, it's, I mean, is he someone that we're gonna be able to trust, you know, going forward, you know, in pre next seasons, who knows, but, but yeah, for this year, just like you said, yeah, hold on to him and then wait for him to have a good game or two, and then just try to sell him off for whatever you can get whatever you can get. Yeah. I mean, help your team round out that roster. Cause there's always guys that are in uh running back uh, issues and, and they'll, they'll definitely buy. So, I mean, it's definitely there. Daryl Henderson, man, he injures his ribs after running 13 times for 53 yards and a touchdown, adding three receptions, 29 yards. He's got ribs as well. What the hell's up with the ribs uh, this past week? See, this is the thing, man. You guys take away the head shots. You guys take away the leg shots. And now everybody's ribs are getting shattered. NFL is going to make this sort of flag football soon because you can't hit anybody anymore. I know. I'm telling you, all the everyone's getting the rib injuries right now. But I will say I was I've been super impressed with the way that Henderson has been handling the load. Um, but if he does have to miss any sort of time, I mean, you're you're relying on Sony Michelle, and I mean, we all know we can't rely on Sony Michelle to finish the 16 game season or now 17 game season. Excuse me. 
Yeah, and I mean, he didn't look very sharp in his action. I get it, you know, fine first real action that he's seen on the field. But, I mean, you got to think Henderson's going to be good for this one. I haven't seen any reports to suggest otherwise yet, but, I mean, we are only Tuesday as we record this, so, I mean, a lot can change. He's got to get in at least on that Friday to have a legitimate shot to play. So definitely keep your eye on that, Henderson owners, because, I mean, he has played very well, and this Rams offense has looked very good. Yeah, and he's been using the receiving game, but if he isn't able to go, I think that's a big boost for Van Jefferson and Tyler Higby for those short yardage passes because right now the offense is pretty much, the passing offense has been Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. I mean, this past game, they he threw it to five different people and that was it all the game long. So if Henderson's not there, Sonny Michelle's not going to be used as a receiving back at all. Like he never has been. So I think that going forward, if Henderson misses time, Van Jefferson and Tyler Higby, watch out now. Yeah, man, and and they're just starting to get their feet wet. Yeah, the Colts did make a comeback against the Rams, but I mean, God, Cooper Cup looks good. Him and him and Stafford, man, they have just formed that like elite chemistry overnight. Appears, and I mean, they just look mm-hmm. freaking glorious right now. I mean, nine receptions on eleven targets for mm. one hundred sixty-three and two touchdowns. Oh, baby. I mean, Robert Woods still had nine targets, but he only had five for sixty-four, and it's kind of like, all right, well, that's cool. You had nine targets, but Cooper Cup was the all-star. Yeah, Cooper Cup, man, he's just putting him to shame right now. And you know what it is? Robert Woods, I think, just had a baby uh, recently, so he's tired, man. He's taking he's care sleep of the deprived. He I get is. that. Yeah, he, you know yeah. this is, and and you know what the funny thing is? I've been saying it all my life when it comes to fantasy football. When you see a guy have a baby, that the very next game that they play, always start them because they usually ball out and then they fall off the rest of the season. I don't know where where Robert Woods' game went, man, because I thought he was going to have a good one, and it just never happened. No, because usually they had, they score the touchdown and then they do the baby celebration. Exactly. You know, they're, they're rocking the baby to sleep. Yeah, that's right. See, and they or they wipe it like remember Ocho did. He wiped the back of the football like he's wiping the tush. Oh, it's good stuff, man. I, I missed you, that one. You missed that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now you just make me look like a fool. <laughs> Injuries last one we got, man, is the San Francisco 49ers running back room. There is nobody left. I mean, uh, I don't I just, I, I'm baffled. I, I have nothing else to say. All you of you that spent hundred dollars on uh, Eli Mitchell uh, on your fab money. Yeah, sorry about your luck. I mean, there goes your season. Uh, we told you not to do it, by the way, but you still did. You did not listen. Uh, Michael Hasty, he's got a high ankle. Eli's got a shoulder. I mean, what does Trey Sermon have? Did he? Is he healthy? Because I haven't seen anything negative about him just yet. Yeah. So Trey Sermon, um, is is he healthy? Yeah. Is he playing? No. no. I mean, he, he was inactive for week one. He had one carry last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So right now they're going to be relying on Jimmy G continuing to carry the ball 11 times like he did last week. Fantastic. And just just, you know, hope it goes from there. Maybe they maybe they just turn Kyle Juszczyk into a running back instead of a fullback. Well, they do have options, Chris. They have who do they have in the building? Duke Johnson, TJ Yeldon and Lamar Miller all visiting San Francisco for for apparent roles on this team. So this is fantasy football glory that everybody's going to love. I do love that. I would love it if they if they signed Duke Johnson. So I think I. that would be so a really I. nice fit. We've talked about it before. Duke Johnson can handle a full workload as a running back. It's just teams haven't been able to. Well, they just have refused to kind of give him that that workload. They've used him more of that satellite back James White time type of a role. So I think Duke Johnson would be a really nice fit. So how good would this be if it is Trey Sermon finally getting his way to get some carries? 
he can be the one, two guy. And then you split in Duke wherever you want, because Duke yep. can block, Duke can catch, yep. Duke can run. He can do it all. I mean, okay. Maybe it's not to the elitist level that we want from our running backs, but he's more than capable. Give Duke a freaking chance. Somebody like seriously. I agree. And also a little worried about like, what does the 49ers staff know that we don't know where they're not giving anything to Trey Sermon right now? Man, I was talking about blocking, but when you're not even letting him on the field, like, uh, I mean, at least Tyson Williams is, is seeing the field, even though he's not a very good blocker, but at least he's getting on the field and making things happen. But Trey Sermon, not even giving him a chance. I'm starting to think that him and Ayuk went out somewhere and did some bad stuff and, and they're just getting severely punished because like, Ayuk had two targets. What yeah, Ayuk. I don't even man. And people spent high capital on Ayuk, and they just look at what's going on, man. Yeah, like what fifth round pick, maybe. Oh, yeah, God, man. Wide receiver two, some wide yep. receiver ones. Like you guys were going that high on them, and oh my god, I feel for you because it's not a good day in San Francisco and for your fantasy football teams. But we'll see. I mean, I I'm all for it. I think I hope it is Duke Johnson. I mean, I still got shares. I've been holding out for uh, him to resign with or sign up with somebody in my dynasty leagues, but I mean, Hey, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Moving on to some big games, Chris, we saw a few big time games, man. Mr. King Henry, he started slow. Uh Good God. Right. I mean, he started slow. And then as the game started wearing on, what did he do? 35 rushes, 30 freaking five. Like you, you, this is like, this is 1980 football, 182 yards, three touchdowns, led the Titans back. And they won that game in, uh, it wasn't overtime. It was late in the game, I believe, but my goodness, what a game by King Henry. It it, it the game did go over to overtime. Titans That's won right. by three. That's right. And no, no, it, 182 yards and three touchdowns. Is not what impresses me? What impresses me is that he was tied for the team lead in receptions <laughs> with six catches for 55 yards. This is unreal, man. <laughs> like he averages usually one one reception a game, and he's already gotten six in one game. This is phenomenal. I will say this about Derrick Henry. Um, there, I w- I did a few DFS lineups, and uh, and one of the lineups that I put together. Um, I did not have Derrick Henry in. And because this game went into overtime, if this game has had ended in regulation and Derrick Henry didn't get any more touches in, in overtime, mm-hmm. I would have won a lot more money than I did. But because the game went into OT, it didn't work out that well. Damn it, but big, but big props to Derrick Henry for just absolutely carrying, single-handedly carrying fantasy teams, one of mine included, mine too. to victory. Mine too, man. I mean, unbelievable performance. And again, you know, I was talking with the the members as well. And, you know, I said early on in the first quarter, I said, this is what pisses me off about Derrick Henry early in the season. And I was blunt and I I was because I was angry, you know, because the usage wasn't there. He wasn't running well. And and all of a sudden he must have heard me. And it was a motivational tactic that I use a lot with fantasy football is I, I start to cuss at them through my TV. They hear, man, they always hear me. I say, you suck, do something. And then all of a sudden they start running and, and obviously not, but I mean, Henry, man, he just freaking blows up. But I mean, Julio Jones, let's, let's jump into Julio right now. He gets uh, six for eight, 128. I mean, it was a very solid game, but is there any other wide receiver other than Julio Jones at this point that gets touchdowns called back on him? He is freaking allergic 
allergic to scoring freaking touchdowns, man. He was in. I don't know what the ref saw, man. Okay, fine. You know, it was it was very close, but he you saw still saw some green in between his foot and and the the end zone line. That was a freaking touchdown, man. Yeah, and uh, in that DFS contest I was telling you about, I had Julio Jones in that lineup, and that touchdown would have also helped. Yep. But enough about uh, enough about me. <laughs> and I do want to talk money. about. Yeah, I do want to talk about A.J. Brown and what happened, because after that game, he tweeted out, he said, a family member told me that I couldn't even catch COVID that day. (laughs) I saw that one, too, and it's true, though. I mean, he was he was having a rough day, man. He could not hang on the ball at all. Yeah, three catches on nine. Let the team in targets, but only three catches all game. It really was. It was it was the Derrick Henry and Julio Jones show. And you know, what was even more phenomenal, like incredible was that Ryan Tannehill had 350 passing yards and no touchdowns. I know, right? Not not one single touchdown. And this offense makes me very uh, confused because, I mean, we realize that Tannehill, like Kirk Cousins, like uh, some others, they truly require the play action pass to get going. That is that that is their MO. That is what they need and what they require. And I mean, this confusion, I think, with Julio on this field was my initial fear because they have to Mm -hmm. iron this out and how they're going to utilize both A.J. Brown, Julio and Henry. And at the beginning, you see, again, as they started week uh, week two against Seattle, they tried to throw a little too much. They weren't getting the run game going. The play action wasn't working. And this goes to the Tannehill's detriment. Right. So then when you see zero touchdowns, that's because, you know, you have to run the ball first, man. This is your team. This is your right. offense. Then get the pass game going, because that's what will separate everything for you. And if they continue down this path, I mean, I feel for the Titans because they're they may even miss the playoffs because they'll drop some easy games that they should win if they don't rectify the way that they're moving forward. Oh, I no, I, I completely agree. You know, I think that in a game like this, you know, going up against Seattle, Seattle's pass defense is a, still a little bit suspect. And, you know, granted, you know, props to, to Tennessee for making the comeback that they did because Seattle yep. was dominating this game the entire first half and Tennessee fought back. They were able to win a close game, taking it to overtime. You know, but like I said, you know, if, if they if they keep relying on Derrick Henry and they aren't able to find a way to get into the end zone through the air, they could be losing some games that they should be winning. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, Seattle was lights out that defense in Tennessee right now, man. I don't know what's wrong with them. They can't they can't stop anybody. I thought they would be a lot better with Bud Dupree rushing a passer. I'm currently wrong in that department, but I mean, they got a lot of uh, issues, man. They, they got to fix. I completely agree. But you know what? Hey, we're two weeks in, you know, no, no time to hit the panic button just yet. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Speaking of seeing what happens, man, Aaron bloody Jones, he goes off last night on Monday night football. What to the tune of 17 for 67, uh, one rushing touchdown and two receiving touchdowns. If I'm not mistaken, off six carries, three touchdowns on the day, or was it four? Am I mistaken? It was three. He he had three receiving, one rushing. Thank you. I thought I thought I missed one there. And I mean, holy crap, what a day! I think Jake uh, posted out he just thrives on week two versus the Detroit Lions because I mean, forty points in fantasy football is his uh, is his uh, floor now in week two apparently. Yeah. Um. And shout out to Ashley who I faced in the Scott Fish Bowl this week, who had Aaron Jones as nice. I was up by forty points and lost by one. Oh. So yeah, oh. I didn't get I didn't get Derrick Henry in any leagues, but I certainly got Aaron Jones really badly. <laughs> yeah, man. And that's just a kick in the junk, man. When you're when you're losing by yeah. one, 
and it's it's the last game of the night and oh. I, you lose by one thankfully thankfully i was already like five beers in and like two green green tea shots in as well at the same nice. time so like i was at that point i was kind of like i lost okay it happens okay. okay i'm going to bed now beer me yeah beer me i'm gonna go to bed and the, the kick in the junk doesn't the sack doesn't feel as bad Speaking of Tony Pollard, I know we touched on him a little bit, but he goes uh, 13 of 109. He finds the end zone in week two, uh, the win over the Chargers. And now here we go. This conversation is very interesting to me because I've been supportive. I haven't been over emphatic, but I mean, I like Tony mm-hmm. Pollard, uh, but we always struggle to say, what's his role going to be? Will they give him a role? Now it's kind of looking like he's going to get his role. And I think it's actually very smart for Dallas because Okay, do I believe Zeke still can't handle a full workload? No, I think he still absolutely can. But this gives you a dynamic of speed and kind of, you know, power to what Zeke does. Zeke's maybe not a powerful, but I mean, it gives you that thunder and lightning type of approach that you're looking for that Dallas truly hasn't had in like God knows how long. And the one thing that kind of concerns me for Zeke and Zeke owners is that Dallas's defense is so bad. They're probably going to be more times than not that they're losing and they need to throw the ball to get back into the game. All right. Amari Cooper's banged up. They don't have Gallup for the foreseeable future. So yeah, that's going to be more opportunities for Tony Pollard, who's being utilized in the passing game because of that burst and that jolt that he has and how efficient and effective he's been in the passing game that it certainly could be taking some touches away from Zeke, you know, who can, who can catch the ball. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, they're not going to be relying on the run game that much if they are losing late in games. And to that point as well, because you're absolutely correct, is that when McCarthy was talking about saving Zeke for the playoffs, so he's already saying, you know, we're, we're going to the playoffs, we're going to the show. Um, looks like he's true to his word, too, because he wants to use Pollard a lot. Yeah, I feel like a, a Jim Mora clip right here would be perfect. <laughs> playoffs? Playoffs? <laughs> you guys can't about win playoffs? A, we can't win a damn game. You're talking about playoffs? I love it. Playoffs? Oh, man, that's the best quote. <laughs> Playoffs. <laughs> I love it. Cortland Sutton, man, the limping one-legger, man. He just, he's balling right now, and I don't even know what to make of this. I mean, I see him in warm-ups. He looks like he's limping. Like his leg's going to fall off. He puts up 9 of 12 for 159 against the Jaguars, I understand. But still, man, on one leg, how much can we trust Cortland Sutton right now? Because for me right now, this is such a good uh, debate. And I, and, I, and I have shares of Sutton because I believe, mm-hmm. but I mean, when you see him limping, you're like, is he just going to die on the field? And then he goes and puts you up 159 and leads the NFL that, that week. Like, what the hell are we doing? I'm, I'm going all in on Sutton. You know, yes. he right now, this offense, this passing game is Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant. Like, yep. that's that's it. Like, that's, that's who they're going with right now. Tim Patrick, yeah, he caught a touchdown. I do think he's going to be like that third option for them with Jerry Judy out. Um, we could see Javante Williams get a little bit more of a workload as the season goes on uh, through the passing game. But right now it is the Sutton and Fant show. And I love every bit of it. So here's the, here's the great question for you right now. Cortland Sutton or Allen Robinson this week? I have to look at the matchups, but I'm, I mean, my, my gut tells me Allen Robinson, but if I look at the, at the, the analytics, I probably would be leaning Cortland Sutton because of the targets that I think Sutton was going to get. Okay, because this is such an interesting I, I, I'm, I'm already looking at it and I'm thinking about it. What what do I do? Because I am an owner of both of them. 
So selfishly, I'm going to use this show to debate this out so that I can clear my own head. And and when we start seeing who does Denver play this week, Chicago plays Cleveland. So, okay, yeah. that's a better defense. And then if we're talking about Denver versus the Jets. I oh, mean, give me Sutton. Give right? me I Cortland mean, Sutton. <laughs> so it's not even a question, right? Because when I was looking right. at that, I'm like, I'm like, wow, that Jets option looks freaking beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can we name anybody on the Jets defense or in their secondary? Yeah, not so much right now. Marcus yeah. May. Marcus May is a baller. The safety. Again, can we name anybody in that secondary? <laughs> I just did, man. Okay, but we got to move I know. On. No, I, I, like, I like May. But yeah, give me Sutton there. Yeah, give me Sutton. I agree. I think it's fantastic. Tyler Lockett, man. He is going off the chain again. But again, is this us being fooled by what the Seattle Seahawks do best in the first eight games of the season? Lockett goes again, eight for 11, 178, and one touchdown versus the Titans. They are not using DK Metcalf like we want to see, but I mean, they're using Lockett again. And, and I mean, this has been my fear in this offense, and it really scares me so much to own either one of these gentlemen because right now, you know, Lockett is the cream on the top, but then all of a sudden, you know, week four, five, six, he gives you like five, six points, and then everyone starts crying. And where's Tyler Lockett? Where's Tyler Lockett? But I mean, this is what they do. This is, and then people figure them out, you know, just don't let them go deep. And then this is what happens. Yeah. And also let's keep in mind last season, it was kind of the same Jekyll and Hyde, you know, DK Metcalf dominated the first half of the season. And then Tyler Lockett came on at the second half of the season. So DK Metcalf is way too talented to, you know, stay quiet and to be shut down. He did, he's had a great target share throughout the season. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the receptions and the yardage, the touchdowns haven't been there. They will come. The man's going to be getting eight to nine plus targets a game. It's going to come for DK Metcalf. Um, Tyler Lockett is still going to get his. Don't get me wrong there. But I mean, I for those of you who got DK Metcalf as your wide receiver, one, don't sell. You know, like this is a perfect buy low opportunity for somebody like him or even AJ Brown. So here's, and I agree. I think it's absolutely fantastic for their values. So when we talk about somebody like Allen Robinson, we're saying, you know, kind of in the DK Metcalf, you know, experience of what we're seeing for the first two weeks, Mm -hmm. we're not panicking, obviously, but I mean, do you risk, like I said, so it's Sutton versus Sutton uh, to start or sit. I mean, do we got to feel that, you know, okay, they're going up against whoever they're going up against, like I said, but I mean, Cleveland, uh, I think, is the team I said. But I mean, uh, do Chicago, we feel, yeah. yeah, do we feel like he's gonna blow up this week? And we're actually we're gonna put him on the bench this week and say, yeah, we wanted to see. And then you could get cost. I mean, you know how that works, right? Like a couple weeks, and then the teams actually start to change and say, we got to mm-hmm. feed our number one guy that much more because he's gonna make a play. Are we afraid of that? Because that's where my terrified uh, terrified nature comes from. I think it depends on your record. If you're zero and two, then you might want to take a gamble right now. I know it's early but you might want to take a gamble to shake things up a little bit, you know, get a little bit of jolt into your team and get some momentum going forward. If you're sitting at two and oh, you know, or one and one even, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm sitting, I'm starting those guys that I drafted a little bit earlier. Yeah, fair enough. And I, I just wanted to, you know, cause you got to talk it out sometimes, it, you know, this oh, is, yeah. pe- this is people's problems. You know, they, they have the exact same problems we do and, and you just got to talk it out. And I, and I like your rationale. I really do. This guy's interesting, buddy, and we've we've been supportive, and it's Rand, uh, Rondale Moore, uh, and he goes seven. Of oh eight, yeah, seven of eight for one fourteen. Mm. You know, we we knew that it was going to come. We, me and you both, hundred percent after watching his film, dissecting his scouting report on Headliner, you we knew that this was going to come. I just didn't think it was going to come this fast. 
And, I mean, he is involved. They are manufacturing ways to get him the ball. Kyler is confident in him. I mean, he's not looking at other guys like A.J. Green. And I know the love for Christian Kirk. I mean, uh, okay, he's going to have his sprinkles. I get it. But this isn't the the whole standard that Christian Kirk is going to be on this offense anymore. So everybody that ran to the waivers to go get Christian Kirk, I think it's not necessarily a mistake, but I want to say that, you know what, you got to just, you know, temper those expectations because Rondale Moore, to me, is the guy. There were two receivers, two young receivers in this game that I had some exposure to in DFS that absolutely crushed it for me. They were just my absolute like cheap punt plays at wide receiver so I could fit in all the other studs everywhere else that I wanted to. And that was Rondell Moore and KJ Osborne, who Ooh. both just absolutely balled out. Yes, and I wanted to make sure that I had exposure to both of those guys, not in the same lineup, but one in each lineup to make sure I had was you know a little bit of salary saving there. And they both just showed out. And I do think that it's going to be a trend going forward. Maybe not these exact stat lines, but I do think that Rondell Moore is going to be the number two guy for Arizona. And I think that KJ Osborne is going to be that number three guy behind Jefferson and Thielen. And they've been looking for one in Minnesota for a long time. And I was all, I was hoping WAP was going to do it. WAP failure, my guy. I thought he was going to take that number three Mm -hmm. role. Did not happen. Did not pan out. I mean, even the rookie uh, Smith Marset, he he did not take it. And Osborne comes in and is like, "F you guys, you give me the chance. I'm not giving this role back." And he looks good and, and trustworthy. Yeah. And and get you know, he had that one big catch for sixty something yards, and that did take up the majority of his production. But I mean, I think that he's definitely somebody that's worth a fire and someone that you absolutely need to keep your eye on because he's going to be available in the. Majority of your leagues, probably up until whenever waivers clear and a lot of people pick them up. That's right. And I mean, flex appeal is there and you never know, right? All of a sudden, well, JJ's kind of still looking a little bit, you know, and, and it was that AC joint, man. They're kind of nursing him along. Adam Thielen's taking majority of the big plays right now. And hey, man, you know, this is this is what happens when you get an AC joint, even though JJ did find the end zone. I mean, his target share is not what it was. No, I mean, week one, it was a little bit, you know, he, I think he's just going to be easing into it. You know, I do yes. think that JJ, you know, and you're, you're going to agree. I'm sure that he's going to be fine, yep. you know, but it is going to take some time to, before he, you know, is able to get healthy and get over that AC joint injury. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, a talent like that, you're not going to ever fade. I mean, it's just, he, he's still looking at AC joint. He's still catching touchdowns, but it's not going to be to the level maybe until like, if he, if he doesn't have any setback, I want to see he's going to be full goal. Probably week six to week eight is kind of mm-hmm. where they're going to, they're going to take off the shackles and he's going to be full go, but he's still good enough to be a starter. No problem. Speaking of starters, Mike Evans in this Tampa Bay <laughs> wide receiver room. We knew this was going to be a problem. We tried to speak it into existence last week with a- uh, Antonio Brown, thinking that, you know, Evans was just going to be the red zone guy. And Evans turns out to be the guy this week. Five for nine, 75 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, the Bucks win uh, against the Falcons. But I mean, Rob Gronkowski, he continues as well. He goes, he goes, what, four for five, 39 and two touchdowns again. Um, so that means last three games, Gronk has scored two touchdowns including the Super Bowl. So, I mean, this is a trend mm-hmm. that's moving for Gronk, six touchdowns in three games. And, I mean, maybe he's the standard, the only standard that we can really trust at this point is Rob Gronkowski in this offense. And you know what it is? He's healthy. He's Rob healthy. Gronkowski is healthy. He's now, you know, accustomed to this offense. And, I mean, now, granted, the, the Bucks have gone against two of the worst defenses in the NFL, the Cowboys and the Falcons. Yep. But I mean, this team has been an, on an absolute roll since like week 12 of last year. 
So right now, I mean, I don't see anyone that can stop Tampa Bay because it literally is pick your poison. You know, it's going to be Evans, Godwin, Gronk, Antonio Brown. Like, who are you going to cover? Best of luck. And even Uncle Lenny was looking like Cousin Lenny last week. I mean, he was running good. He was catching the ball. And yep, Cousin Lenny, we, we can we can uplift him to the youthful Cousin I, Lenny. I did hear um, there's a uh, somebody that works at one of the other golf courses here on the vineyard, and he's from the Tampa area. And he was telling me that uh, uh, Uncle Lenny now wants to be called Lombardi Lenny. So I'm sorry, Lenny, I'm out, man. I, I'm going to I'm going to name you what I want to name you. You can't be called Lombardi, Lenny. You haven't done enough, man. You just rode the coattails of Tom Brady. Don't even start that nonsense with me, uh, Uncle Lenny. He's still Uncle Lenny. Yeah. He's still Uncle Lenny. Lamar Jackson, man. That contest uh, between the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. My goodness, what a show. These primetime oh, that games. Oh, was, that was sexy. Oh, man. These primetime games, man. They're giving me chub every time we watch. Just unbelievable. Lamar, man. Of all the critical things that we can say about Lamar, that we have said about Lamar, his passing aptitude isn't there. You know, okay, then the argument goes, do they have wide receivers that he can throw to? Then it goes, Mm -hmm. he runs too much. He doesn't progress. He doesn't read. He takes off and does all what blah, blah, blah. We know all the arguments against Lamar Jackson. I've always been a supporter, but I've been quietly, you know, wanting him to get better and wanting him to improve. I really do Mm -hmm. because I mean, if he gets his passing aptitude to a level that is even, uh, I don't even know, man, who can we compare him to? That's a D even Matt Ryan esque. if I even go to that point, if he gets his passing aptitude to Matt Ryan style with that running pedigree that he does hold Lamar Jackson would legit be unstoppable. And in this game versus Kansas City, 36-35, the the Ravens win, if you guys missed it. You guys probably know by now anyway. But, I mean, everything he did, the the runs, the passes with, with, Mm -hmm. I mean, Hollywood was on point. I mean, I can rant about this game for like an hour because it was just absolutely phenomenal, Chris. One thing that impressed me the most is the end of the game when this is the trust that Harbaugh has in Lamar Jackson. You could read the lips of Harbaugh you know, you know, yelling, Lamar, Lamar, do you want to go, go for, for it? This, yeah. And, and, and he just, any, and he converts the fourth and one, like I absolutely, that was one of my favorite things about that game. Yeah, man. And I mean, I tweeted out after that game, it was, what did I say? Uh, referring to jo- uh, John Harbaugh, coach Harbaugh saying, you know, this is a true leader and this is what it mm, is when you yep. are a true leader, your goal as a leader should always be empowerment to the people that are uh, working with you or underneath you, however you want to say it. And in this case, I'll say working with him because they're on the same team. But the amount of trust you have in your best player to make that play, and it wasn't even him deciding. He went to ask and say, do you want to go for this? And because he asked that, what do you think that did to Lamar's confidence? It shot oh, it through absolutely. the moon. I mean, not only did he shoot to the moon, um, but I mean, to, Lamar Jackson had never beaten, you know, Patrick Mahomes since he got into the league. Right. And he goes ahead and he does it now in dramatic fashion, primetime Sunday night. I mean, this, the Ravens have the same record as the Chiefs right now, one and one. I'm not saying that the, the Ravens are a better team than the Chiefs, but on Sunday night, yeah, they were. And they look damn good. Kelsey, did you see that Kelsey touchdown that he made? I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> The guy is not human. And anybody that still wants to make the argument of Kittle versus uh, Kelsey. 
I mean, Kittle's the better overall tight end because he's sure. a much better blocker. Sure, yeah, no. But no from question. an offensive standpoint, oh, it's Kelsey all day, all day long. And and I mean, yeah. that was just ridiculous. Forty yards. Okay, the tackling was subpar. I get it. There was a lot of missed tackles, but then you know you still go to the same point of saying, hey, well, Kelsey made these guys miss, and and it is what it is. But what a game, Lamar Jackson, eighteen of twenty six, two thirty nine, one touchdown. He did have the two interceptions. I mean, sixteen for one oh seven on the ground, two rushing touchdowns like. This is just ridiculous what he was able to do against the Kansas City Chiefs with uh, the Honey Badger back as well. So, ah, man, if they continue to move down this path, I mean, they're going to be a tough team to beat, even without the receivers that they don't have on the field. I know. And I will say I was a little bit worried. You know, first pass attempt of the game throws a pick six to the Honey Badger. Yes. They Kansas City goes up quickly, 14 nothing. And then Lamar settles down, gets the team back in and just made it a game. So is this a concern for Kansas City a little bit? Because I want to touch on this just a, just a little bit because we we know what they're capable of. But if you stick to your guns and take away like Tyreek, Tyreek didn't have a good day. If you stick and say Tyreek is the guy we will remove because he is the big play threat. Are you comfortable going with Kelsey and Clyde? Clyde Edwards, hilarious to me. This is my problem with him now. You see, like, can you trust Clyde? But if you're picking your poison on defense, which guy are you really wanting to take away over the other Tyreek or Kelsey? Kelsey for me. Okay. You're, for, for me, for me, you're trying to take away Kelsey because I mean, what you can do for, and this is what the Patriots had tried to do in the past is they try to do bracket coverage against Tyreek Hill, have a corner and a safety, you know, and then with the linebackers is you're just keying in, on Travis Kelsey, like making sure that he just doesn't beat you. And that's the problem when you have two all pro players like that, because it's like, okay, well, you can probably only double team one of them who we double teaming. Right. And I know a lot of times if you don't have a speedy corner, you are going to try to get help over the top with somebody like Tyreek Hill. But for me, yeah, it's, it's Travis Kelsey. Like, are you, you know, for me, I think he's the game changer for, for that offense. I agree. And, 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 you know, the thing is, is because the explosive plays Tyreek does, excuse me, is like at the drop of a dime. So, I mean, the, the way that this defense, because Tampa Bay kind of gave us the script. I mean, Baltimore did it a little bit as well. They're, you know, they're playing the one high safety. They're playing one up uh, closer to the box. And you're kind of you're kind of doing a little tag team between your linebacker and your safety while they're covering Kelsey. But, I mean, it does blow up when it comes to your secondary wide receivers. But, I mean, like Pringle got free because of that. And, and that was your mm-hmm. byproduct of that defense. But, I mean, am I really scared of, of – uh, Byron Pringle? No. If, if I lose because of Byron Pringle, then I, I'm okay with my game plan defensively as a defensive coordinator because I took away everything else that was supposed to be taken away. And I'm, I just need to understand and have faith that my other guys that are supposed to be covering a Pringle can make that play. And, and, I, and I agree. I think if you're playing high safety kind of double coverage, you don't get deep with Tyreek. And you got to do your damnedest with your line, but your two linebackers got to be fast enough with a safety pinching in where he can. Um, mm-hmm. th- that's how you beat Kansas City. And I think the book is out, man. And especially with Kansas City, I think if you are running a defense that where you have more defensive backs on the field, you can run a cover three man you know, scheme where the cornerbacks are playing man. You have the safeties and another uh, secondary player in a cover three. So you have the over the top covered, mm-hmm. you know, and then maybe Mahomes just has to worry about checkdowns and maybe you just check down to death. But I do think that, that certain defenses can play that scheme against Kansas city and they can be successful because they won't get beat over the top. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's, that's gotta be the way it works. I'm, I'm selfishly looking at Buffalo. Hey, Buffalo, 
listen to what I'm saying. This is the, this is the scheme that you got to play and, and you got to make it work. And I'm talking quietly. You play, you play dime coverage, cover three, man, Boom. make it happen. And, and look at Matt Milano with that speed last week. He was all over the field. We need you to oh, that lateral there. speed. Oh, yeah. You need to be covering Kelsey like that. I'm talking quiet because I want to speak it into existence. God damn it. Zach Wilson. Should we touch on this? <laughs> this week of the Please, please. Let's, let's yes. <laughs> I know it's against your boys, so let's touch on it, man. He goes, he's, you know what, though? The, kudos to him. I don't know if you caught his after game interview. They actually had the audacity to ask him that question. They said, hey, you seeing ghosts out there? And did you, did you see his response? I did not. Oh, he caught with confidence. He looked at him. He says, he says, no. And he kind of smirked and he says, absolutely not. And I was like, good for you, young man. Get those reporters the hell out of there. But I mean, it was a rough That's day. Awesome. He throws what? Four picks, um, 19 of 33, two, uh, 210 and uh, no TDs and four interceptions versus your Patriots. Yeah. So Zach Wilson just, I mean, I, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to chalk this up to Bill Belichick, just knowing how to play against rookie quarterbacks. I do think Zach Wilson is going to be a really good quarterback in the league. He had one, he had just a really bad game mm-hmm. against a defense. That's not terrible. Like the right. Patriots have a good defense. And what impressed me the most out of this game on the defensive side of the ball is how well JC Jackson played as the number one cornerback with Stefan Gilmore out hundred percent. Like Jackson, Jackson had two picks. He was all over the place. He played super, super well. Um, you know, and then just the, the defense in general was getting after Wilson, not only with the, you know, with the interceptions, but with the sacks, you know, second year player, Josh, Josh Uchi had two, had two sacks, newly signed free agent, Matt Don had a sack. They were just getting after him and getting pressure on Zach Wilson. And just, you know, like we said earlier, that's what Belichick does. Mm. He creates all these different packages and, you know, blitz concepts that just confuse the crap out of rookie quarterbacks. How many stunts did I see on that line, man? It, I mean, it, mm. was just, it, it literally felt like you guys were running a stunt every third play. And and I mean, Judon was just all over the place. And then here's my argument about Corey Davis. So here we go. His first real test against a strong. Well, I, I don't want to give disrespect to the Carolina Panthers uh, defensive backs, but I mean, a, a real, real test now that there's film on what the Jets are doing. Um, I think that's very important to understand as well, because anybody can go out week one with no film against a new quarterback and a new wide receiver and a new offensive coordinator and everything they have new in New York because you really Mm -hmm. don't know how they're doing things. Now you get one week of tape. Now you can understand what they're doing. Look what Corey Davis does one for what? Six yards, I believe, or seven yards. Uh, And I mean, he was locked up, man. This is this was my fear being a number one wide receiver. And you know who the, the stars of the game were for the Jets? They're slot receivers. Yep. There you Braxton, go. Braxton Berrios and Elijah Moore had the most targets and receptions out of all the other receivers for the Jets because New England just took away everything on the outside. Zach Wilson had to just check it down and, and have those short completions. And yeah, man. one thing that I saw from the Patriots that I loved, and Mac Jones did his 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 thing that he did, you know, previous week, had a great completion percentage. You know, he didn't he didn't hit 200 yards passing, but he was efficient. He was effective. But Damien Harris continues to impress me. That touchdown run that he had. Unbelievable. Yeah, I lost my mind. I I lost my damn mind watching that. And I'm not even a fan (laughs) of yours, man. Damn it. It was a good run. Damien Harris. uh, Ramondre Stevenson was, a you know, he was an active. Oh, throwing, 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 
throwing, throwing that in there. You know, you don't have to hurt me every time. I'm sick, man. Like, <laughs> I'm here on the show. I'm suffering. I'm trying my best here. And you still got to throw darts at me. Like, God damn it, man. But I, I do think that Damian Harris is going to be the, the workhorse running back that the Patriots have really been looking for for the last few years because we haven't had that in a while. And I do think that Harris is going to be the guy that is going to get those 20-plus touches a game. I love it. And I think, you know what, even even the reinstallation of James White into this offense, I don't know why you guys went away from it last year. He is your guy. He is Mr. Reliable. Mm. When you need a play to be converted, call on James White. He's making it happen. And and I, I love every ounce of it. I think that it's an absolute fantastic thing. And when you're saying about how the Jets are moving with double slot, man, how many times did we say this? Listen to what we say, people, because we do understand football. And when Jamison Crowder comes back, it's you're going to be even better because it's going to be Crowder and Elijah, uh, Elijah Moore that much more. And I love it, man. I love it all day long. And I want to throw one quick thing in there. Um, we mentioned quite a bit on the show how last season Cam Newton handled 70% of all touches inside the 10 yard line last year. Yep. Right now, Damian Harris through only two weeks is handling 80% of all touches for the Patriots inside Ooh. the 10 yard line and a hundred percent of them inside the five. Oh, Oh, if that doesn't get your juices flowing, I don't know what will. And I need a the... mop right now. <laughs> <laughs> a mop and a squeegee for this man. Cause his chair <laughs> is wet. And I mean, you know, what's funny is that the value that you got on Damian Harris um, in, in drafts, you like, could have gotten him as your RB3, maybe exactly. RB4, depending on your league. Exactly. And I was trying so hard in one league. It was like one of my home leagues that I'm I'm huge in. It's a big money league. And he was right there, like legit three picks away from me and like to be my running back three. And I just got sniped two picks before me and that one hurt. And now he's going to be doing this damage all season long. Unbelievable. So can I read you something really quick? Yeah. In one of my dynasty leagues, my my running backs are Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, and Damian Harris. Damian Harris is like my RB4 for that team because I got him in the rookie draft last year. Oh, yeah. That's that six-team league that you play in that, that you guys Listen, play. it's it's like seven, okay? <laughs> and like four of the people don't even like know what they're doing. They're all yeah, they're, you know, tennis, tennis fans. That's right, man. You know... Would you, I, I got to join a couple of these leagues, too, where I can stack my roster and tell people to go after people like Trey Sermon, you know? I'm doing a draft next year with a senior senior citizen center, so I'll let you in. I'll let Please, you know what it yeah, is. Yeah, that'd be great, yeah. man. We can we can tell them that picking kickers is, is the best product for them. Esther's not doing really well, so there might be an opening. <laughs> oh, Esther. Poor Esther, man. You know what? After everything I said positive, we'll close this out pretty quick because, again, we're running over the clock as always. But, I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles. I go last week mm. and I preach up Jalen Hurts a lot. and I say I was wrong. But then he, he, he again proves why I was a little bit on the fence. Um, and it's not that he was horrible. It was just because here it is. He has to grow and the progression needs to be there. And I think that's kind of where I've settled on Jalen hurts at this point. He's good enough. And he understands enough to beat the lesser teams and, and beat them very well. And that's great because that is kind of like when, when I put it into progressionary uh, stipulation, it's like how I talk about Josh Allen, 
you know, he was, he was bad in his first year. You know, he threw interceptions. He was inaccurate. Second year, he started beating the teams he should be beating, right? Like the, the Miami dolphins at that point, or the, you know, Cincinnati Bengals at that point, whatever, like he's beating the teams that he should be beating. This is kind of where Hertz has started with the first two weeks. He goes up against San Francisco. Yes, there were mistakes made, but I mean, he could not find his wide receivers like Reger and Smith. They they were non-existent. Uh, Watkins was your deep threat guy, and Hertz had to run for his life. I mean, what he ten for eighty two on the ground? That's not what you want to see coming out of this. And I mean, how many times they were stopped in in the red zone? So it's these little things that I think they'll get there. And I'm impressed with how they're moving the the ball on both sides and how mm-hmm. they're playing football. I should say. But I mean, this was kind of my argument to say, you know, why I was lukewarm on Jalen Hurts, because he will still have these games this season. Yeah. And earlier in the season, when I was so high on Hurts and I still am, it really was purely from a fantasy perspective. As a real life quarterback, I'm kind of 50 50 on him. But I knew because of that rushing upside that he provides, he had the opportunity to be a top 10, top eight fantasy quarterback because he's going to get you 60 rushing yards and a touchdown, you know, Mm. on a regular basis. Absolutely. And I mean, you can't hate it. I, my problem is I morph the two together too many times. I I think that, you know, I can, I can make the foot on field football thing translate for fantasy and it doesn't work. And that's my curse as an analyst, but I mean, it is what it is. Should we talk about my bills before we get out of here? Can I do that? We have, we spent a good amount of time on my Patriots. So it's only fair that we talk about the bills. See, and I leave it to the end of the show. So hopefully everyone listens up and they don't tune out. But I mean, you know, what's funny is that, you know, I, maybe I'm getting spoiled, but that 35, nothing, I, I wasn't impressed. I, I, and it sucks because I want to be happy with 35, nothing, but the offense to me still just doesn't look right. And, and I didn't like the defense, man, lights out. The defense has improved. The defense looks phenomenal. The rushing aptitude is great. I mean, the mm-hmm. secondary is actually looking a lot better than I have thought. But this offense, man, I don't like what they're doing on offense. I think that they're confused. They're, they're running when they want, when it's not feasible. Josh Allen kind of, you know, still doing things he kind of grew out of last year, and he's bringing them back. Like, what do you see that I'm not seeing? I hate to say it, but Josh Allen. Um, I, I love what the defense yeah. is doing. I love that the running backs are finally getting, you know, some production, but Josh Allen is kind of, like you said, he's reverting back to his old ways, that high completion percentage that we saw last year. I didn't see it this past week. Like I oh. saw him making way too many mistakes, overthrowing players, just not making the right decisions. And I don't understand how he goes from having such a phenomenal year last year and not having that translate over to this year, because you're playing with essentially almost the exact same group of guys that you had last season. Totally. And it's what baffles me the most. I mean, the throw he had to Emmanuel Sanders, gorgeous. That was last year. Josh. Yeah. Allen, oh yeah. 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 Right. That one was phenomenal. I mean, but then you start seeing the, the overthrows, the, the late throws, the timing is off the, you know, to the sidelines, it's, it's a back uh, or behind his wide receivers. I mean, I just, these types of things, he, you thought he grew out of them. And now all of a sudden it's coming back and you're like, no, please don't do this. Like, okay, fine. That touchdown at Diggs, where he was going all the way to the right end of the sideline. He looks over mm-hmm. uh, Diggs ends up getting free from Howard and he throws the touchdown across his body. That's a freaking no, no in any stretch. But I mean, it's like Patrick Mahomes style, Josh Allen and Mahomes, maybe Aaron Rodgers are like the only three quarterbacks in the league that can make that freaking throw. But again, right, I, right. I, I don't I don't like what I'm seeing offensively at this point. Yes, the run game was more involved, but it just seems like it's uh, uh, it's 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 they're trying too hard. It seems it's not organic. And I think that's kind of my problem. They're forcing the issue, I think, is the best way I can say it. 
Yeah, I, I can I can see that. Um, and you know, because the game wasn't you know nationally televised where I was, I was only able to see them on Red Zone. But they, yeah, there were there were a lot of missed opportunities. I mean, they they could have put up more than thirty five points if they really wanted to. Absolutely, they could have. And I mean, that is. We get Washington this week, so I mean, we'll see how that goes. But uh, it's going to be interesting. Defense, Allen needs to show up, man. Allen needs to show up, and I, and I think I'm going to say this again for the second time this season. Um, I was so wrong about Gregory Rousseau. I thought he was going to like take years to develop, <sighs> me and too, to to get you know custom to the NFL. But holy crap, is this man a monster? Two no sacks this past week and absolutely creating havoc in the backfield. I'm I'm super excited for this guy's future. And I was I was 100 wrong too. I thought he was straight up developmental player with uh, uh, great intangibles and traits. But I mean, the, you know what the cool thing about Rousseau is that he can move all over that line. He plays on the D tackle. He plays on yeah. the edge. He stands up on that. Oh man, he's just he's looking all the party. Looks absolutely phenomenal. And you know what? It's not that we were sorry. I don't want to say we were we were wrong about him. Right. We were just we we were a little bit we didn't expect it to happen this season. We had like, concerns. I was expecting, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought I thought this kind of production would happen two to three years down the road. I did not expect it his rookie season. Absolutely, I thought he was prototype developmental player, not like day one starter appeal. Yeah, yeah for sure. Like stud, stud. We got some good stuff happening, but let's close this one out on who was your worst play of the week. I think this is going to be a new segment. Because we are human and we make mistakes. I mean, I'll go first so that you can look up your worst Wait, mistake. Do, or do, do, you do have... I only do? No, do I only have to like? I only get to pick one. You can only pick one. I, I think it's a good way to end the show. All right. So I'm gonna let you go because I'm I'm like just looking at my matchups right now okay, to figure so out where I was. I, I was a little up. bit concerned, and I said, you know, Julio Jones concerns me only because of how this offense is moving. And I said, okay, you know what? I'll, I'll give Julio a bench spot this week because I just want to see it come before I, I trust, even though I love Julio always will always have. And I played the uh, Jarvis Landry and that turned out to be a dog shit show. And okay. Because of injury, but Julio still bald and I, and I failed. That's not necessarily your fault. I feel though, you know, I still feel like it was a failure because it's week two. I should have still trusted Julio. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so me was, and not that I would have normally started him anyway, but looking back, I'm like, oh, well, that was a mistake. Um, having Amari Cooper in and then, you know, who only had, you know, not many points for me, but also then watching what Cortland Sutton did and seeing mm. Cortland Sutton on my bench. I'm like, oh, I had Cortland on my, my bench too, man. It yeah. hurts. It hurts. You know what yeah, I did? So like Actually, not, I got it. Not I got putting Carlton in would hurt. Yeah, Ooh, I got it. Even, I got yeah. an even better one than that. It was uh, all the talk we had about Saquon on Thursday Night Football being nursed along. So I benched Saquon. Still turned out to be good. He only got me what seven point. I also yep. Right. I benched him in all my leagues. Yep. Right. So I mean seven point nine. So you, it was a success. But I mean, I had uh, Naheem Hines or Kenyon Drake to replace him, and I decided to go with Naheem Hines, thinking the PPR upside was going to be there. Yeah, not so much on that one because I mean it just nothing happened for uh, Naheem Hines. Yeah, and like the 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 misses that I had were like star players that you know I probably wouldn't have benched anyway, you know. But like guys that just didn't get much production for me, like Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson, Tyreek Hill, you know, like those are all guys that you're expecting to get you at least twelve to fifteen points, and they all scored under ten. Yeah, <laughs> man, this fantasy football will make uh, my heart, man. It can't take it anymore. Like, seriously, I'm I'm losing years of my life playing fantasy football, and this is becoming a problem. 
Yeah, that's you know what? That's why they have beer. That's why. That's exactly right. That's why I'm going to go drink one right now because I definitely need it. I'm not feeling so good. But anyway, before we close this one out, Jake has got an important message for everybody. So listen up. Yeah, real quick, though, before we get out of here, I want to take a quick second here, Chris, and I want to make sure I shout out our, our partners here for the year at Fantrax.com. I mean, Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, hands down, right now, offering the greatest fantasy experience for you, uh, for your dynasty keeper, redraft, best ball leagues, whatever it is you play, they have you covered. And we want to make sure we get you guys in a position to really come in and play with us this year. We're going to have some best ball challenges with some cash prizes coming up here in the coming weeks, but you can set up your account now and it's 100% free. So head over to fantracks.com slash headliners, sign up for that free account, and then stay tuned to our Twitters, to our YouTubes, the, the community tabs on YouTube, all over the place. We're going to be posting links for these upcoming best ball challenges Totally looking forward to that, but make sure you head over there and sign up for that account right now, fantracks.com slash headliners. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris Kennedy 318. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. On behalf of Chris, thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out. 